Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are, I can't tell you the topic because the topic is our guest and, and I want to hold off on that. So I almost revealed it early, but we have a visit from somebody. So, so we'll get into that. Oh, but I can tell you, we're going to talk about like some of the newest stuff in Angular version nine, uh, some performance stuff, and then some uh, super um, early project that's going on. So let's get right into it. Say hi to our panelists and then we'll introduce our guest and we'll get to the content. Joining us today, we have Alyssa. Alyssa, what's going on? Hello, hello. So excited to be here. We got Mike with us. Mike, what's happening? Not too much. I'm excited to be here with Bonnie. Bonnie. Bonnie's with us. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. I threw it a little uh, curve there. So going moving on to Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Mike. I feel like it's so fun because we have to all pretend it's a big surprise, but you can see our guest right there on the screen. Try That's to be mysterious, point. Stephen. It's I'm a mystery. Oh, you said it, Bonnie. No, Bonnie! I'm sorry. I'm so, we're so excited to to have this guest on the show, whoever he might be. And he is Stephen Fluin. Stephen Fluin. How Stephen, the hell how's are you, Stephen Fluin? It is. It's going wonderful. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon or morning. What I don't know what. What does time even mean anymore? Right. It's evening here, but I think for the rest of you, it's uh, is it morning? Hey, I know you have very important Angular stuff to tell us about, Stephen, but I have not seen you in a while, and I think that we should start off with uh, Daniel update. Do you still have the baby? How's Daniel doing? He, I think he's still around somewhere. Hopefully, he he's doesn't have to, like he doesn't like storm in the room like a news presenter <laughs> kind of presentation. Well, the last time uh, I think you were here, you were a new parent, so we wanted to check back in and see how that's. How that's going? Oh, Do you have pictures? I'm way for us? more experienced now. I've I have infinitely more babies <laughs> than before I had a baby. You know, sometimes the beta doesn't work out too well, so we just want to see how it's going. You have pictures for us? Yes, of course I have Please, pictures. Steven. Usually, when I'm giving like a presentation or a talk or something, I like I work it in. I'm like, oh, it's about the tools and the process, and you show Daniel holding tools, but I can just show some some shameless <laughs> pictures. We would I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you, we have to. We just have to check and see how that's going, and then you can talk about Angular. Yeah. I mean, it's my two babies, right? Angular yeah. and Daniel. <laughs> so you can you can share my screen if you want. So we want to ask you which of your babies you love most. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think he's contractually obligated. No, no, I, I think I love Daniel more than I love Angular. I feel bad <laughs> saying that. I, I feel like that's an easy call. <laughs> I think so. Look at the little face. I will endorse you on oh, that. My I agree. Word. Good priorities there. So how how Ooh. old now? He is one and a half. Hold so. on, scroll back down. Let me see the uh, oh that picture on the left. Let click on the blue one on the left. Look, look at the little face. Oh, that is a cute baby. So and does he talk yet? Quarantine haircuts. Does he does he talk? Uh, he he knows like twenty or thirty words. It's weird. He's bilingual, um, so like you can ask him questions in either English or Spanish. Um, but the words that he says are like halfway in between. So like the Spanish word for cat is gato and the English word is cat. So he says gat. <laughs> and so it works in either language, right? Like it's baby talk, it's bilingual baby talk. Oh my god. So well, if you're gonna be quarantined <laughs> and stuck at home, that's that's a pretty good uh, little playmate to be stuck with. Yeah. yeah. And a half. Ugh. He's so cute. You're such a good dad, Steven. So, so I love the bilingual aspect. Are you the Spanish speaker? Is your wife or both of you? Uh, my wife, uh, she speaks much better Spanish than I do. She grew up speaking Spanish. Um, I, I know some words. I know more than Daniel does. Ha, take that. <laughs> I love starting off the show with trash talking to one and a half year old. That's awesome. <laughs> I just have to learn faster than he does. Oh like, no, no, that's problem. perfect. Well, for now, until he catches up. <laughs> Well, see, this is, I was telling Stephen this, that uh, kids hit like this uh, around 18 months, the naming explosion, and they learn like five new words a day. So you better watch out, Stephen. He'll catch up with you if you're not careful. Yeah. I don't know if you're learning five new words a day, but. I, I could go and learn five new words a day. I'm way better at learning languages <laughs> In than your free time? Like, challenge accepted. <laughs> I think that's like all of us here, right? We all love learning and, and accelerating our own learning. I think that's one challenge that you have with kids is like when you have that passion, do you still have that passion to like always still know more than they know, right? And so like anything they learn, you say, I'm going to learn that same thing too. If it's something I don't know, so I'm always ahead. 
Yeah, I thought that until Samantha started with the 3D animation blender stuff. I was just like, you go do that. I, I love that idea. And they've actually done studies like, because, you know, we all talk about how kids are like so great at learning languages. Like they just pick it up, right? You just around it and they just learn it. Apparently, adults are better at learning languages. We just don't spend 24 hours a day practicing. <laughs> like if we I spent would, I would a lot of time, that. like <laughs> we would be way better at learning languages than kids are. Because I'm she's learning Dutch a lot now. faster like, I'm done. I'm not doing any more work because I, I have to focus on my language learning 24 hours a day. So sorry. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how that flies. Yeah. <laughs> Samantha's learning Dutch a lot faster than I am. But just she's, moved to France. <laughs> she spends more time on it too. So, yeah. All right. So, so what? You, your yeah, your other uh, kid, Angular. Yeah, how's that going? What what's the latest on that? Are there pictures that, that of that or is it stellar? Just pictures, right? Source code pictures. I mean, I, yeah, I can pull pictures. We got like blogged on a URIO. We got all sorts of stuff going on. We shipped 9.1. That's good. And then we're, we're working on version 10. So has, I it, think been, has it been weird? Like quarantine and flow with the team or if you guys slipped it, into it's a been, remote? It's definitely been weird um, because a lot of us were in the same office before, but also like we already had really good tools because we do things in a public way already. Like we have thousands of contributors. We already do everything on GitHub. Everything's via Slack. Um, and so we had a lot of the processes to like handle remote distributed team, but we were never just weren't using them. We just weren't like used to thinking that way. Like when we wanted to have a design discussion, we'd pull people in and like look at a whiteboard. You can't really do that. Right. Yeah. Remote. And so we're we're flexing those muscles. I think I think we're we're finally reaching a new normal as a, a team. But as I said, we were fortunate to already have like a lot of the tools and processes in place because we have so many people working remote from around the globe. Right. Oh, cool. So I nine's think. out the door. People are using it. People are upgraded. Yeah, it's it's Life been pretty I good. I, I, I like, feel like we you guys were like quarantined with I like you guys were 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 working on Ivy for so long and like and everything was just like I think you like you guys had this idea like it's gonna be completely backwards compatible and then you 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 started doing this and it was like oh man and it was like this whole big thing but then once you had committed to it you had to like push through and get it finished was so then now you had to like look at what else you were gonna do after that yeah so we we spent a year after it was like already working in like prototypes, actually working to make it backward compatible. So like re-implementing all the weird view engine behavior so that we could just flip the switch. And so we, with every release, I have this idea of like a, a breaking budget or a, a mindset budget where we get this much of a developer's attention every release. And if we use too much of it, we like lose the developer, right? They're not gonna update, they're gonna fall behind. And so we're always trying to be very careful about budgeting that. So in the last few releases, like seven, eight, um, we were banking a lot of that, right? We were making very small changes, wasn't really breaking. Um, and I thought we were gonna spend our entire breaking budget on version nine, getting everyone over to Ivy, but the response has actually been stellar. Like most people just switched and it just worked. And so clearly the amount of effort that we, we put into backwards compatibility was worth it because developers just saw their apps get a little bit better. And that's that's kind of always the thing that we want to do is don't make developers do anything and make their apps better. And so then you, now after Ivy, you go forward, what's the next? What do you do next? Uh, yeah, so we shipped 9.1, uh, which made things a little bit faster. A lot of the work we're doing right now is cleanup and responding to issues that people will file. So with the switch to Ivy, um, we got a lot of issues. We got a lot of reports. We got a lot of... Uh, new ideas. And so we're primarily focusing on cleanup, stabilization, um, making sure that we're, again, being cohesive with how we move the entire ecosystem forward um, before we try throwing any crazy new ideas at folks. So we're doing a lot of planning right now, a lot of maintenance. Um, and as I said, we're working towards a 10 release. Uh, I will say I expect this 10 release to be far smaller than the 9.0 release. So uh, we were focusing more on just getting a release out, getting back to our regular cadence. Uh, more than we are on any kind of crazy new feature push forcing on the ecosystem too soon. I think when you're ready for crazy new feature ideas, you need to come back here to Angular Air. We'll start a list for you with uh, well, the crazy at that. the top. Yeah, no, I would love a, a list, list of crazy feature ideas. Job security. 
<laughs> like we we have all these requests that we get from developers and oftentimes they're in complete like contention. So about half of the people that mention reactivity to us are like, oh, I want you to be less reactive. Like, don't make me learn RxJS, don't make me learn pipes. Like, and then about half of them are like, making you more reactive. I want inputs and outputs to be observable. I want everything to be, I want all the lifecycle events to be observables. And, and you're like, like okay. making both of those happen, totally possible. <laughs> they're, they're actually, we think it is possible. And like both of those are on the, the long-term roadmap. Um, so I'm like, we, we haven't actually started to work on any of this, but like, we do think that we could get to a world where both of those are possible, where wow. uh, if you don't want to learn Rx, like you can just use Angular. Um, but then if you do want Rx and you want to think reactively about everything you do, maybe then you add in something like NGRX and then it just like says, oh, here's all your lifecycle events as observables and here's all your blah, blah, blah as observables. Like, so that, I think there, there definitely is a pluggable way of doing that that could meet a lot of needs. We just have to be very, very careful with that. And that's that's part of the reason that we try and go slow and not break the world is because we want there to be one way of doing things. And if there were 10 different ways of doing things, that, that would make everyone's lives harder as a developer. I think part of the struggle too with Angular is because it has so much functionality that it gets a little complex. And I find, because so, I've been doing uh, Angular consulting for years, and I find a lot of teams that are writing a lot of code and it's like, wait, wait, wait. You know, Angular will do that for you. And they go, it will? Really? It's like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you just, you're, you don't need to live like that. But it's hard because it's, uh, I mean, it's so powerful, but, it, you know, it's like Photoshop. It takes a while to learn all that stuff. And and uh, so that's always, a, but I, we have so much more. For those of us who have been around since Angular JS, it's like, oh, please, we have so many training uh, resources now. It's like easy. Yeah. I mean, compared that... to what we went through in the, in the, in the old days. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. Like, we hear a lot of people that say Angular is, is complex because like there are so many different features and so many things it can do. It's but fair. When we, when we ask people, how do you want us to simplify it? They're like, wait, no, you can't take away any of that. <laughs> I need all Here's that. Here's the thing. I, I can tell you, you know that you know that movie, The Matrix with Keanu Reeves, you know where he like that, sticks that it into his yeah. neck and then, and then he just knows you just, that's what we need. We just need to like upload, just like put it, yeah, upload it somehow. That would be perfect. You, you should, <laughs> like you should make your screen big, Justin. <laughs> what was that, Justin? Justin's got the that visual was my Matrix movie the... poster on the wall. Yeah, so you should share your screen. Ready. Justin. yeah. Justin's ready to beta test that functionality. <laughs> so I wonder if uh, one of the things I think that's the complexity of it that I see is um, there's several ways to do the same thing or accomplish the same thing. So I wonder if, uh, would it be possible to have some more prescribed patterns? And maybe that's like some schematics out the box to help you create these patterns that people can then decide to use or not, right? But they come from the Angular platform is saying, here's some known ways that, that you could be successful with it for these type of cases, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, if you have areas where we can be more opinionated and that would help you, definitely let us know because in general, we, we do have this philosophy of like one way of doing things. So we're, we're always looking for those opportunities of uh, guiding people down the right path without taking away their their freedom. So yeah, I mean, schematics and one of the things that we're thinking about is, is uh, could or should we be building more sample applications? Like should we have a sample bank application that shows you like, hey, if you're trying to build a uh, authenticated forms-based registration flow and tabular data, like, should we just build a net? Should we build the sample app like that? Would that be helpful to people? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like people go in and say, I got to build this. Angular platform gives me all the tools to do it, but how do I decide the architecture, those patterns? And then they do one and it works and it renders and it operates. And then they have to add another feature and all of a sudden that pattern didn't work. And now they have to rework stuff. So could they have prescribed stuff off the bat that gets them you know, going right even more? But then, like you said, it's still optional. You still can opt in to decide to use that or do whatever. I would say one of the things that I, one, my experience with Angular that, that, and it's not always, you know, what I want, but a lot of times when I'm trying to do something and I, you know, I'm reading stuff, I'm going on Stack Overflow and I'm Googling this and that. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I, whatever I'm doing for my client is, is more complicated than the examples that I'm allowed, that I can find out there. Right. And then I have to actually, go and if I go if I take the time to go to angular.io and actually read the documentation like all it then yeah then I can do it 
Um, but the problem is I, I don't, I just wanted to just, I just want to copy and paste it and have it. Work. But a, a lot of times if you go and you read it and you research it, the docs are really good. But if you could yeah, just, if I, we could I, just jack in, it would be faster, Stephen. I feel like, and you actually does a really good job of this. Like I, I was doing that this morning where I was trying to find how to, the, like the performance timing APIs in Chrome are, in my opinion, relatively complex and hard to use. Um, and so I took a, a code sample and I copied and pasted it into my project. And now I had to go fix it, move it from JavaScript to TypeScript. I had to go fix it from like uh, try catch into like, I had to uh, switch into a promise instead of like a, whatever they were doing with the callbacks. And so I had to do all this work to translate the example that they gave into my world. Um, and I think that's a problem with JavaScript at large, but I've, what I've found at least is in Angular, you have all these kind of base assumptions of everyone does things the same way, right? We all use TypeScript, we're all on the latest version. So uh, like, I think we're actually pretty good at some of those things. Uh, there's, there's always more we can do though. And I think that's one area where I actually look to the ecosystem is like, hey, we, we shouldn't always be deciding things for everyone. We, we want your help, like help us because um, I'll, I'll get into one example of like in version nine, it is now possible to do dynamic component lazy loading. So you can just do a dynamic import out to a component, but we haven't told anyone how to do that. We haven't built docs, we haven't built samples because there's like three different ways of doing it. And we don't wanna push the ecosystem in one direction when we're not sure of that like direction, like if it feels weird. So like right now, if you just take a component factory resolver, pass in a like dynamically lazy loaded component, uh, it will not actually have the module context. And so like ng if won't work, other components won't work, you can't import forms. And so you somehow have to get a module context. And there's like three ways of doing that, right? You can add the module to this, like you can create a module in the same file as the component, which because Webpack can't tree shake within a file, it won't get rid of the module, which is like a weird thing that if, it, if like Webpack did the right thing, then that wouldn't work. Uh, you could uh, import the module into the component, which then would force like, again, it forces the loading of the module context, which then enriches as a side effect the component. Uh, or you could, for example, re-export the component from the module, and then you're dynamically importing a component from a module instead of dynamically importing a component from its component file. All of those feel weird, and like we don't want to push any of those on anyone. And so we're we're kind of looking at other alternatives, and we're we're looking to the ecosystem, say, okay, which of these makes sense? What have people tried, and what works? Do you think it would be like if you put that out there in the docs of here's these three ways, none of them feel right? Do you think that's still like pushing too much into those three ways? I I think a little bit of that, but I also think just the way that most Angular developers read our docs. If we said there's th here's three ways of doing it, and they don't feel right. Developers are going to look at our docs and be like, well, why are you telling me that then? Like, <laughs> like this is the least helpful doc I ever read. <laughs> Hey, so I've got one thing specific on Angular 9 and the update that came into play. Um, that uh, and, and real quick, before I say that, the whole ng update process is awesome. It's amazing, right? Like the whole thing that we had to do with Angular 8 temporarily for uh, view child with the static false and true. Um, if you added that to your V8 version 8 code, you update to version 9 using ng update. It takes care of removing all that for you correctly. So awesome. Um, but one of the things I noticed was that uh, if you are doing inheritance for a component class, right? And so you have a base class and you inherit it and you make two different uh, components, component decorator. Now you have to put the uh, uh, the directive decorator on that base class and it complains about that. All right. um, do you know what I'm talking about on that one? And could we talk a little bit about that? Uh, I, I know what you're talking about on that. <laughs> um, I will say while some of those use cases are supported with component and module inheritance, we highly recommend composition over inheritance. Like if you, if you want to stay on the happy warm path, use composition and don't try and inherit custom components, at least not yet, because you, you're getting into weirdness with our compiler. Cause like the decorators don't execute at runtime. And so like, what does inheritance mean? So I'll, I'll speak for the people that want to use that, right? <laughs> Cause they'll have a voice, right? Like, can we have, can they have a way or we have a way to uh, have swap out the template that we use so we can use the same shared, you know, class logic, right, for the component, but present a different view for it? 
Yeah, no, I think I, that's like, the heart of a lot of it, right? I, I, we've definitely heard that feature request before, and that that's part of why we're working so hard to push developers to version nine and to Ivy because that enables higher order components that we'll be able to swap out templates and things like that. But it, it's again, like, it's a little bit like dynamic component loading. You can kind of do it today, but none of the tooling helps you. None of the documentation helps you because it, it's a really complicated thing for developers to reason about. Like, when do those inheritance rules get resolved? We want all of the privileges without any of the responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> we want it to be very easy, but all the functionality. Not too much to ask. And we're working yeah, on that, right? Like, it's just <laughs> doing it right in a way that you and everyone else on this call can look at the same code and know what it does. That that takes time. That's hard. It really, I mean, it's 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 been a long road to get to this point with Angular, but I really feel like, I mean, it's it's... There is a lot of functionality and it's really elegant. So I, I really, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fan of Angular. Yeah, we, we've reached a level of maturity that we didn't have three years ago. So it's it's been nice to see. So hey, the cadence, can nice you refresh everybody on the, the cadence for the major releases? Is it still the, how often is it? Yeah, I mean, the, the plan right now is still to do releases twice a year. Um, so expect a release uh, probably around Q2 and probably around Q4. Probably, and, and then that release, <laughs> no guarantees. If there's API changes or something going away, we'll have one release still that says this is deprecated. Get ready, and then the next release would be the one that actually deprecates it. Right? What are you deprecating? What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we have a deprecation policy that applies to our framework API, guys, uh, and we we generally apply it to kind of the things that developers expect from Angular. Um, and it's actually, it's, it's uh, I believe it's N plus two. So like, we can't remove it until six. Cool, cool. Cool. So I heard that you had another project that you were working on. Yeah. Is that, can you, wait, is that wait. something that you can share? Let, let's talk performance. Oh, it's not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that okay? Do a little bit about performance, latest performance stuff, and then don't forget. Is that OK? Let's do it. All right, cool. So Did you have questions? You want me to just talk? Yeah. <laughs> What's the latest? I mean, we, what we have you done for us? About the, uh, the IV thing giving us a lot faster, right? Faster build times, faster run times. What else? Yeah, so we, we are rapidly approaching a world where um, Angular is almost never to blame for startup performance which uh, I think there's always more we can do to help developers. But what we're seeing is like bundle sizes of several megabytes are relatively common out in the ecosystem. Uh, if, even if you use every feature of Angular, your bundle size is not over 500 KB, right? Like, so there, there's a gap there. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is we're really trying to dig into the foot guns that are kind of beyond Angular, but possibly within Angular's control and help surface those to people, make them aware when these things are happening, give them visibility. Because uh, whenever we've given a, a performance best practices talk over the last few years, the, the number one thing to do is to measure. Because most people don't actually measure. And so they don't know how well they're doing. They don't know what mistakes they're making. Um, and so we're trying to approach this from a, a number of different fronts. Um, one is really just getting up a fair amount of time and talking about it. Uh, and it, it, what's really interesting to me is most Angular developers don't actually come to us and say, I need Angular to be smaller what ends up happening is users end up suffering and users come to us and say, hey, I wish these applications were smaller. And so what we're doing is we, we definitely have leaned into this concept of making apps smaller. And that's that's why we talk about it, even though most developers don't actually ask for, us for it and they don't care. Because um, we know that we can make developers more successful if we're making their users more successful. Can I add a comment about performance as a cautionary tale? Because I've done a lot of, uh, of consulting and I have, this is actually one of my favorite topics, performance. And it wasn't, it didn't start out as my favorite topic. It became my favorite topic because I saw a lot of people across different teams making the same mistake. And I really feel very strongly that performance in, in what I've seen is a training issue. Because if you, if you have people learning Angular while they're writing Angular and they're kind of figuring it out as they go along, then you might end up with some problems in your code. But if you take the time to have 
Like if you have one expert on your team who's like offering adult supervision to anyone else who's learning, then you're going to have much better. But if you if you like have all this stuff, you you have this big app that you've built and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, then you as it scales the perform cuz you can get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, you can write some stuff wrong in Angular and still get away with it. But then when you scale, then all these problems come and get you. And the problem that I've found is if you pull in an Angular expert after you've got 20,000 lines of code, it's gonna it's a lot more work to fix it retroactively than if you get somebody in right at the beginning. Don't ask hey, me how it, I know it, that. It, it's, it's way easier to just take a peek at your bundle once a month and say, like, what did we mess up this month versus coming but back I really believe I, I I really agree about the, what you said about metrics because like even the Webpack Bundle Analyzer or Lighthouse, like if you can actually see those numbers. But the other thing that I would say, I oh, think, which I is kind though, of a... Don't use Webpack Bundle Analyzer. Use Source Map Explorer. Yes, yes. Um, the But I think the for me, the easiest quick advice that I can give anyone as far as performance with like just starting out with Angular is really um, Angular allows you to do a lot of like quick things like the, you know, ng if and ng this, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with pipes in the HTML. But I think the biggest thing that I see people doing wrong when they're, you know, slowing down Angular is like you're using, your business logic should not be in the HTML. You can put business logic in the HTML and Angular allows you to do that kind of stuff, but you really want to separate that and get as much of that business logic out. So if you have a really complicated HTML file, you might be, that that's, right there we'll tell you because that's one of the biggest things that i would always look at and say no you shouldn't be putting all that logic in the in the dom hey steven um talking of performance and the tooling and measuring there's the tool to be able to specify bundle budgets and i know that those got turned on by default now with angular 9 and smaller builds of the angular framework have you discussed the idea of reducing those numbers to make it more stringent or are you just going to leave the defaults where they stand. We haven't done that yet. So the budgets that we built in were actually based on a experiment that Chrome was running publicly a few like a year ago or more, where on mobile devices on non-Wi-Fi connections like 4G, 3G, 2G, etc., they would warn when a page loaded more than X size. And so what we did is we baked those sizes from the Chrome team into Angular. Um, the Chrome team is always looking at making websites faster. And so uh, I think we wouldn't just arbitrarily like start making bundle budgets smaller based on Angular being smaller. Although I kind of like that idea. Like that, <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. Right. Um, I think generally we look to the market and say like, what are the the cutoffs and the, the drivers that we should actually start warning and erroring about? But because like, for example, um, if, if page speed ends up affecting user experience and like, I don't know, if Facebook won't share, load your page in X seconds or whatever, like we want to look to real metrics that are going to affect users and bake those into the bundle budgets. Um, and then, I mean, hopefully you as an application developer are kind of going in and making those smaller. We, we have added more. So like, for example, we, we added another bundle budget to um, the CSS of a component, I believe. And so like we're, we're adding more of these budgets over time, but we want them to try and be driven driven by metrics that are meaningful. Yeah. It, but I, I, I kind of like the idea of like, <laughs> can we make Angular smaller, do it. But it's just so hard because every application is so different. Yeah, but to be clear, I, for anybody who may not be familiar with the feature, is Angular is providing some default values for these budgets. And I think maybe it's like two megs or five megs, something. We, we warn at two megs and error at five megs. So if you make an Angular application, where your initial bundle size is more than five megs, the build will fail, okay. which is so, good, but not good enough. Yes, you can tweak those so that if your application right now loads at, at 10, <laughs> well, it won't build, uh, but it say it's at one meg, you could set an error to say, all right, at 1.1 meg, fail the build. That's our limit that we don't want it to be more than one meg. Set your limit, fail the build, and this way uh, those... So, Mike, do you personally think those numbers are too high? Yes, um, but given the breadth of applications that are out there, the different way people are building them, whether or not they are or are not lazy loading for whatever reasons, um, then I th they're reasonable. I just think that people can strive to do better. 
just so if you share my screen, I can actually show yeah. how this works. I didn't want to detour. So the if, you, if you've never seen this before, talking about it, just take a look at your Angular JSON. When you create a brand new Angular project, you're going to get this sweet set of budgets. And by default, we give you an initial budget warning warns at two meg, errors at five megabytes, and then component styles shouldn't be more than 10 KB. So just go down and just like, hey, we can... <laughs> Maybe I have better. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> the key thing here, though, is that they're configurable, right? And you can control them. So because there may be scenarios where you, you don't want to be forcing it that low, right? Um, because yeah, not I everybody's mean, building maybe. an Angular app for the web delivered via browser, right? And so there may be cases where you're like, look, I'm, I'm good with a 10 megabyte max, right? So take it. What, what, if, what if I'm here? What if I'm building a game? You're hurting Steven Angular. <laughs> delivering via an Electron app. And so I'm not really like concerned about bundle delivery because I'm controlling the, the experience of my application I'm building, but I'm using Angular under the hood to do it. Uh, even an Electron app, bundle size will affect startup time. I think if your bundle's 10 megabytes, you're just gonna make Steven's eye twitch. It's just like, you can't avoid that. Cause like now, now I pull out like my old timey, like I've got a, a laptop from 10 years ago and now I can't play your, the game is slow to load because your bundle size is too big. Oh, no, no. You, you, your loader. requirement for my game is like a high end PC gaming machine. So, you know, okay. it, it's, it's, it's baked in like a 120 gig concept of, you know, new games. So. Maybe, maybe you should think about making your game more accessible maybe. Before, before Justin tosses out any other bad advice. These values are configurable to suit your needs. That's the important thing. That's why I wanted to make sure, like, like before we go and say, "Oh, well, let's lock it in at this," right? Like, as long as somebody can can change those, <laughs> then they can, right. Just get bad up, right? Um, I think that if the feature exactly. still works the way I did, I think it actually supports G for gigabytes too. Oh my goodness, you guys! Let's just just back the truck up, you guys. We're all gonna come back. You're going to crazy town now. What happens if you just like <laughs> remove budgets entirely? Is it just I, like it won't work? Okay, oh, okay, hey, listen, y'all, be serious now. What? I hey, uh, we have a question in the chat um, because Joseph said that the uh, the build times are still for him. The final disk is still pretty resource intensive. What would you say for somebody who's still struggling with build times? With build time. So that was actually one of the things that we made like a lot better in uh, nine. Uh, I would say look at splitting up into libraries. So you can actually build libraries independently of your application, which saves you a little bit of build time. Um, smaller, smaller independent chunks is, is the way that you get more incrementality, which makes your, your builds faster. But so there, one of the there things is a point of crossover there, isn't there? Like you don't want to put each component in its own library, right? I mean, yeah, I, you do. I see many teams do that. Like, I mean, if you look at Angular Material, that's kind of how we do it, right? Like you have a a a module, a JavaScript module for each component, and an Angular module for each component or component set. You can do it at that level, and then you can compile those in all independently. I feel like there's been a lot of confusion about lazy loading. And, and I mean, at, at least not a lot of confusion overall, but this is a, another commonly uh, common mistake that people make is putting all of their app into one module. And that's really like, that's one of the things that's really hard to undo when you try to go back and retro it. So if you have all of your, you, because your app, especially if you have lazy loaded pages, your app should not be all one module. You should have multiple modules uh, and, and then bring them in. And then, so so if you're still struggling with your with your uh, sizes, then you want to break that up into small pieces. Love it. Now, to be hey, clear, we also hold on, Stephen. You mentioned separate modules for each component, but we are also talking before that about libraries. What I was saying that with the incremental building libraries separately, is there a difference between just separating things out to separate modules for the incremental builds? or for um, going to the next step of taking each one of those modules and putting them in a separate library. I mean, you, you can think of, I, I don't think the distinction is as strong as, as you're imagining. Like if you look at Angular Material, you install at Angular slash Material and you get a bunch of independently compiled modules. Correct. So is the module the library or is the library the, the collection of modules? I'm talking about in an Angular, 
um, workspace. So you have an Angular JSON with multiple projects within there, apps and libraries. So I'm talking about the concept of. So, so yeah, so I, I would love in the long term to see us have more incrementality because like we built it into Ivy so that we can start to take advantage of that. Um, but I think you have to split it at the library level to get the incremental compilation in our CLI. If you wanted to compile modules individually without the library distinction, you can do that, uh, but then you end up using something like Bazel or something like uh, NX and doing custom work. Uh, okay, speaking of material, I really like material. I, I think material is such a good example because sometimes I actually go back to the, the source code of Angular material to look and see how things are supposed to be lazy loaded properly because it's all, uh, the tree shaking is beautiful. Uh, and there are a bunch of quite, there's, cause once we started talking about all this, there's like questions now flying by on the chat and there were a couple of angular material questions. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if we have time to get into angular material because we're, uh, past the hour or we're past the uh, half hour, but what do you think? Can we have an angular material, uh, uh, episode? How's Jeremy doing? Does he have Jeremy's, time to come and visit us? Jeremy's doing good. Yeah, I think we, we could probably... Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jeremy right over. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him his presence has been requested. Yeah, so and, you know, I've uh, actually been... Like... I've been told that multiple times. Like, go look at how Angular Material is doing something. So, like, would you back that, like, response to things? Because I've heard that a ton, actually, lately. Yeah, I mean, what happens is... Material often does things first, and so they do it poorly, and then they do it better, and they do it better, and then on average, material is doing thing like has already figured out a bunch of the problems that a lot of people are out there trying to figure out. Yeah, I really enjoyed his talk at NGConf, um, the virtual conference they just held. About... I think it's all all the videos are up now, right? From I think so. Yeah, yeah. So check out Jeremy's talk if you haven't seen it, but we definitely should try to get him on here because there are a lot of material. I love questions. Jeremy. Yeah, and I really like the the tree shaking. It's just it's a really good example. And and what I like about the Angular Material repo is that if you want to see like how they handle the imports, like you don't have to go that far into the code to see a really good example of how it's all set up. It's not too complicated. And like just looking at the like app dot module in that to see how it's all set up, it's just I love it. I I refer back to it all the time. Okay, so we need to have Jeremy on for an yeah. Angular Material. Just tell him we've got questions. And uh, yeah, yeah we'll we have that. a, but so but, the thing is the problem and you guys, like, I love the questions coming in on the chat, but all these questions are very specific questions. Like it's, we try to grab the, 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 the general questions, but if it's like a very specific, so where do they go, Steven? This is the thing. And, and I think because once you get to the point where like you can't find the answers or questions anywhere, you, you're a senior developer, <laughs> like you're asking more complicated questions and it's a little bit hard to answer all of the complicated, it's, it's crazy, but where do they go for questions like that? Sure. Uh, it depends on the nature of the question. So like there, there's some questions I'm seeing in the chat are the harder question to answer because a lot of people don't, it's not relevant to learning that specific concept. So if you're wondering why something is some way, uh, I think events like this are a great way place to ask that question or go to a conference or a meetup and like ask people. Um, there, there's not always a great answer, but at least you'll, you'll get some sort of answer you can share. On Twitter, at Steven, why you do this? <laughs> God. Why, Stephen? Why? Let's let's not make Twitter any worse than it already is. <laughs> um, but if it's if it's like a how do I do X Y Z? I think Stack Overflow is pretty good. Um, we like we don't like support requests in our our uh, GitHub. But if you had like a feature idea, like hey, what if it did this instead? Like that that's a great thing to be on on GitHub. Uh, otherwise, there's Gitter, which is like a chat room for our Git repository, or Stack Overflow is a great way. I love it. Nice. Uh, I nice. think that we might uh, we might want to try to have you back more often because once we started because you have so much knowledge in your brain, Stephen, that we we could. This is the thing, really, because I want to ask you questions all the time because you just know all this stuff, and I know that you know off the top of your head. But then it's just it's like once you start, you know, it's hard to stop. And I do want to see the project that you told you you told us you were going to show. Do you have time? Yeah, so here I'll, I'll do the the segue and then I'll, I'll share my screen again. So, I, you know how I mentioned all this like bundle size and performance and how measuring is one of the most important things. Uh, I also wanted people to get a realistic picture of what these things actually look like in the world because this is useful for us. It's useful other for other people. And so I, I built an app 
this is super experimental. It's super bad, but it's it gets a little bit better every month. Uh, and so I actually shipped it. You, you can exit. It's uh, bundlesize.dev. It's okay. Totally undesigned. Bad UX. Terrible UX. Uh, but the idea is, if we scan sites like Angular applications and then report back the results, and then we can use that those reports across all the users to benchmark. And so, like, if I put in a app like Fluent.io, so that's my little blog site. So what it's going to do behind the scenes, it's going to go actually like load that web page in a browser and then look at it. And it's going to say, what version of Angular is it using? What's the bundle size? Uh, is it using Material? Is it using Universal? Like, it, it looks at all these things. Uh, and then we can use that to benchmark and understand your application in kind of the ecosystem. Mike, Mike. has a question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, so you mentioned that it goes in and is analyzing what's being downloaded to the browser. Does that mean that it is possible to run this, say, inside of a VPN or like on a cor corporate site? Uh, not today. Right now, it is like I'm doing all the hosting. I'm doing. I'm paying for all the processing uh, to to do all this. Okay, uh, so the processing is happening on the server side, not directly in the browser. Correct, because okay. it's a, it's a whole bunch of work to set up Puppeteer to get it to like load pages and secure it and all those sorts of things that uh, I, I have not yet packaged up for for other people, but. If, if you're interested, that that's a great feature request. Can you make that font bigger? I want to read what it says. Thank you. So this is a, an app I haven't updated in a while, but we just finished our little scan here. So you can see it's I'm using 900RC4, so I'm a little bit behind. I should probably go update You that. haven't updated in a while, and you're on 9? <laughs> I've heard that 9.1 is out. Yeah, 9.1 is out. Constantine oh. wants to know if this can handle uh, lazy loaded modules, SSR. So yeah, so how it, how it works is it emulates a browser. It literally is like Puppeteer in Chrome under the hood. And so whatever your application loads to get your homepage, like whatever URL you type in, that's what it's going to load. And so it it tries to mimic 100% a user experience. And then what it does, it looks at all the JavaScript that you loaded and adds it all up. So theoretically, to load that URL, uh, it took 528 bytes. So that from a bundle size perspective is smaller than 93% of apps. And wow. I, I just looked so uh, like this is designed for Angular apps and it's going to give you like in the long term or in the medium term, it's going to give you more insights for Angular apps. Like our, what uh, one of the things I want to bake in here is best practices. So you should, we just noticed you did X, you should instead do Y. Like we noticed you're running Vue Engine, you should switch to Ivy, those sorts of things. Um, but you can actually type in any URL. Which is kind of crazy. So, like, if I go what happens like, if it's not an Angular site? It just it loads in the browser. Uh, it doesn't recognize Angular. It doesn't notice any of the Angular features, but it will still look at the bundle size. And so, the benchmarking is not just among Angular apps; it's among apps. Uh, and I, I just took a quick look. Uh, the average size of an app is right now is three point nine nine megabytes of JavaScript, just JavaScript. Uh, and the average size of Angular apps is 3.91. So the average Angular app scanned is smaller Yeet. than the <laughs> average app that it scanned. Uh, and obviously, the more people that use this, the more people that enter URLs of like applications, the the more data we'll have to benchmark across. Hey, Steven? Yeah. This may be a little bit of a stretch, and you can say no. But would you run this against Angular.io? Sure. I did that earlier. Did you? I don't remember the numbers though. Camilla's asking. Camilla's asking, what if the site is password protected and you'd only see a sign-in screen? Hey, Camille! I love Camille. Uh, so right now, it would it would do just exactly what a user would do. So it would like load and hit your sign-in screen, and we would see if your sign-in screen is big, too big. Actually, sign-in screens like are interesting because theoretically they should be really, really small. Right, and then you should lazy load the features you need to actually authenticate and to actually load the content. So, sign-in screen is a really great indicator that you could totally have a great lazy loading split there. And we're probably seeing a few people using it. So my my request jumped in the queue. I know it's not loading for me. I think it's because maybe there's a bunch of people on the site right now. <laughs> you guys uh, say hi to Camille while we're waiting for this because uh, hi, Camille. you guys know Camille. She Sorry, was she was testing uh, version right. nine for us when it first came out, Stephen, and, and the rest of you met her in Colorado. She was one of the speakers. Oh, there it is. Okay. 
So wow, anyway, ninety second percentile, five fifty three, and then one of the things we can do if we wanted to just like spot check this. Let me create a new tab here. So your Fluent I/O was actually better than Angular I/O. Uh, with fewer features, yeah. <laughs> it's a couple features less. So like I'm just if, an if, instigator over here, you know. If we <laughs> contrast what it says, so it said, uh, what was it? 553 bytes of JavaScript. And we actually look at just the JavaScript, 568. So I think there's some minor differences in how Chrome is accounting for things and how we're adding up. Oh, I've got Chrome extensions. That's what's doing it, actually. So. The what you see in dev tools here when you actually go and profile your site yourself, and what you see from the tool should be almost identical. And then I'm assuming it would handle like deep links as well. So if I had a deeper link that went to a couple different modules that load or something, or no? Yep, absolutely. So like if we just pull up some part of the Angular docs. So there's, there's clearly more content oh, here, more can you click more on that yeah, in. getting started, too. Because there was just a question. Uh, huh? Uh, here, I'll, just I'll, I'll do this first thing. So you asked about deep links. So yeah, deep links absolutely work. Uh, and what was the second question? Getting started? Because someone just asked in the chat uh, that he just stumbled into our show today, and he's like brand new to Angular and wants to learn. And he was asking uh, if we could guide him where to begin to study. And I love that um, getting started page right there. Just this one right there. So I just, because you were right there. And I was like, look, there you go. Because that was the answer to the question. Because I love this. This is a great place. Because you could just spend 10 minutes on that page and scroll down. And it will give you a really good idea of what Angular can offer. Yeah. yeah I mean, So I, I would I recommend getting started right hour, there. We, we should, could have a whole show on how to learn Angular. Because... Uh, this is actually a big challenge because everyone learns a little bit differently. And so we, we went out and we did analysis of like the ecosystem. We said there's like seven top tutorials that people use, right? From Pluralsight, from uh, Deborah Carrada to Maximilian Schwarzmuller, like our own tutorial, our tour of heroes. And we're like, okay, how do we merge all of these into one super tutorial that works best for everyone? And what we found is that like that you cannot do that. It does not actually help people. People need to find the, to be able to find the tutorials that match the way they learn. And so there's actually some contention about this tutorial right now because this one uh, it uses StackBlitz, so it doesn't actually set you up with the CLI on your local machine, right? Uh, and that was designed to help people who maybe are newer to web development, don't know how to install Node, don't want to go into Terminal, but they just want to learn like Angular concepts, right? Like templates, uh, components, services, those sorts of things. So this tutorial is heavily optimized towards like showing you and having you practice concepts. Uh, and if you contrast that with, for example, our Tour of Heroes, which we still have up here, this is our old tutorial, this one goes deep into like, let's set up our CLI, let's set up routing, let's actually go and do all the different things um, that you would do well, as part of a normal application. I see how like the one with Stackblitz, is, it's easier to dive into those concepts, right? Like you jump way past like all of these getting started and CLI things. So, but I, I'm surprised So there is contention though. Some people think that you should go back yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like, hey, set me up the CLI, like, teach me why we do all these things while you're teaching me things. So it's, I I was surprised too, but that, that's, I think, a really good indicator of the richness of the ecosystem that, and I, I kind of like the idea that there's not just one tutorial for Angular. And I, I know that I, like, theoretically, in, in an ideal world, there would be one tutorial, but the idea that different people are trying to get different things done, and they're coming from different contexts with different background and experiences, I, I like that, that we can, like, as an ecosystem, accommodate those people. Steven, I, think, I that, think that goes into the idea of, like, demos and custom schematics. That has me thinking maybe you and I should touch base later and talk about some ideas. Yes, ideas. Yes, collaboration. Hooray. I really like the, uh, I, I think for somebody who has never seen Angular before, the getting started is such a good place to start and then immediately go from the getting started page into the Tour of Heroes. I think that would be like a good first experience. Yeah. I it's it's funny like we used to be like superhero branded and whatnot, but we we slightly moved away from that. When I was trying to uh, teach Samantha, and I was teaching Samantha, my daughter, uh, Angular, and we found out halfway through me teaching her Angular that she was dyslexic. And so it was very difficult because when I was teaching her Angular and I was, and I'm not dyslexic, so I'm just looking at VS Code and going, look, this is what the code looks like. And she was like, it really, because there are so many abstract concepts 
that when you take dyslexia on top of Angular, it's really hard. Um, but we are, uh, we've been working for a while and we're getting pretty close to finishing. Samantha and I are actually creating a free Angular Basics course that we're going to be launching pretty soon. But I'm not, it's like Ivy, like I'm not going to tell you when it's going to be done because I don't want to stress myself out. But uh, we are going to be doing that and it's going to be free for everybody when it's ready. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, real quick on the on the bundle size. So is that was that all the JavaScript delivered? So even third party or polyfields or anything like that. That's the entire size, right? Yep. It's exactly what the like. If you go to a site and start trying to like analyze the bundle, which I, I do a lot, right? Like I go to a lot of Angular apps and I'm like, hey, what are they loading when and why? Um, it's it's the exact same thing that you get as a user. Very cool. I can see that being very handy you know, several reasons, right? Uh, but one in saying like, look, I want to measure my budget, my size of my app, but I also want to target another site that's similar to it. So we can kind of compare and see like you, you identify one that does it really well, you feel that it responds really well and, and you you can compare in that way as well. And, and some of this I'll, I'll totally admit is selfish, right? Like I want to know what versions of Angular people are using, what features of Angular they're using. I want to know, uh, can we actually make the bundle size for the average app smaller over time, right? Like, so we, we talk a lot about how we make Angular smaller. Uh, is it actually doing good? Like, I would love to see that like, hey, the average nine version nine app is 10% smaller than the average version eight app. So like part of this is like, I just wanna know what's out there and without people sharing it and telling us that like, there's no way to know. Yeah, I think one of the things that gets lost, I think people and I did as well, is that concept of like, when you talk about what's the size of Angular, right? And it's like, well, that's some, that's one aspect, but then it's the code that we write, right? That's really the size. And so when you want to talk about getting things smaller, and I think it's what you allude to right now, which is like the Angular itself, the, the platform itself is going to get a little smaller, but where you're really going to find value as, as a developer is your code that you're writing, right? And how you handle that. Yeah, and then I mean, it also goes back to adopting like industry standards of like, what if we could just dynamically import all the things? That'd be cool, <laughs> right? Awesome. All right, well, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Any last things you want to talk about on, on this project? Like, what's coming in the pipe? Like, what can we get excited about? So what What I want to know is what is this useful for people? Is this valuable? Do people want to know this? Like, what insights do you want to care about? Uh, what features of Angular do you want to check in people's apps? Because like we can we can check for a lot of things. Like I can check to see if you're using forms or reactive forms. I can check for uh, like bad JavaScript libraries out there. Like we know that like hey, you're importing Moment. Maybe you should switch off of Moment and use something else instead. Like how how important are those recommendations to people? So I mean, this is this is a prototype that that has a bunch of data in it. But I, I would love to see if this is useful for people and what they think. Um, yeah, I think you need that guidance stuff, right? Where you could say, look, I mean, we've got something built already. Like, how do we, how can we get insights into that without us really having to understand what we need to look for, right? Like what tools we need, can we just throw it here? And kind of the same way that the NG update has the site page where you can go to and say, hey, I'm on this version of Angular, I'm going to this. Here's an outline of what's going to change and what you need to do. Same sort of concept, right? Where here's how you could improve yeah. your stuff. I, yeah. I'm thinking about it kind of like a if you've used Lighthouse, which is a really great Chrome tool for doing this for general web standards. Uh, they like you run Lighthouse and it says like, hey, you're using these fonts that aren't accessible and you're uh, not compressing your images and like it does all these kind of general web things. I, I would love to do a similar thing with Angular concepts. I want to know who's still using Lodash. No, no comment. You, you want to list the sites that you can email I, and be I, like, please I stop. The intent would be more for you running it for your apps, right? Not so much. I'm like, I'm going to go run and investigate. But maybe, maybe it's like a Angular detective agency that you're starting and you want to do like <laughs> a tool to track down everybody and what they're doing on their sites. Top 10 most wanted. <laughs> I just I mean, like to pick on people. I see it, but even that, like, it, it's, it's, Lodash is a tool, right? Like, people should be able to use the tool, right tool for the job. It just, I'm just picking on Lodash. You picked on Moment, so I had to pick on Lodash. You're right, I did. But <laughs> there are there are 100% equivalents of Moment that are sp smaller from a bundle size perspective. Yeah. Like there's their drop in replacements for Moment. And what we'll, we'll actually, I, I call them one out in particular because we it does seem like a pain point for a lot of developers where they'll actually include the locales like three or four times in their application. 
So we just do this over and over and over and that, that ends up adding megabytes. This is what I like about the source map uh, when you show the, the source map explorer and they go, why is it loading that? That's not, that shouldn't even be like, and they get all surprised. Like, why is it loading that? It's like, well, it's your app, man. Good times. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, see if anybody has any picks and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll do our panelists first. If anybody has any picks, just uh, raise your hand and I'll just start calling on you. All right, Bonnie. Okay. I, I have a surprise. Uh, I have a big announcement uh, coming on May 6th uh, in a couple weeks. And it's a surprise and it's a secret and it's an angular related secret. And uh, and it's very hard for me to keep a secret, but I'm not telling you yet. You have to come back here on May 6th just, just because has, I've been working on a week from Isn't that a week from today? Is it next? Who I better finish because I'm not ready, you guys. But I've been working on this for a while. Weeks and, and two weeks out. Yeah, next week. Two weeks. It's next week. <laughs> okay, I thought it was two weeks. Okay, so it will be ready. And I'm going to tell you guys next week, ready or not, no matter what, next week, come here for the secret surprise. Nice. We are looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. And uh, Jeremy Elborn, Stephen, yeah, tell him. Red Rover, Red Rover. Red Rover. And that'll be good, right. too. We'll be looking forward to that. Alyssa, did you have a pick? Someone is saying pick the module federation. Is that somebody else's pick? <laughs> somebody in chat had a pick, I guess. I'll, I'll pick module yeah. federation. Thank you, Stephen. Because um, I want someone to speak to it who knows what they're talking about. I have a gushy pick. My sister is in the hospital right now. She's supposed to have a baby in three weeks, but they think she has preeclampsia. So just a shout out to all the healthcare workers out there killing it working day to day out there in it we appreciate you that is such a good pick thank you thank you yes. justin didn't you have a pick too well i tried to broker my pick to somebody else to pick it and, oh and mike I, it. I, I offloaded it out of my mind so now i don't even remember what it was no no no, no. i got it up it's angular demo run it's ng-run.com oh yeah yeah nitin shared that with me uh ng-run dot is dot com it is dot com Yes. ng-run.com okay and so it's similar to like stack blitz you can run and and do development inside the browser but i think one of the things it has is angular specific and one of the things it has is the ability to do real-time collaboration with it so you can real-time collaborate in the browser writing code i don't know um that's <laughs> you, you look confused <laughs> does it i i <laughs> Hey, even Steven gets to learn new stuff on Angular Air. I'm always learning. I don't know anything. All right, Mike, did you have a pick? I am pickless today. Okay. We haven't had a show for a while, and I can't come up with anything. That's I'm fine. Pickless. I choose you. That's my pick. All right, Steven, our guest, do you have any picks? Apparently, I'm supposed to pick Module Federation. Oh, yeah, Module Federation. <laughs> uh, a really cool feature of Webpack 5 where you can set up subsets of your application to be built separately so that they can be deployed independently. So imagine, and, and one of the people doing a lot of work uh, in this space right now is Manfred Steyer, where imagine if you could build part of your application and deploy it like a library, and then the app would keep working even though the library got updated. That would be really cool. Uh, so independent deployability. and it's theoretically possible. There's like proof of concepts. So on the cascade of from theory to proof of concept to possible to easy to automatic, it's it's at the uh, proof of concept. Okay, so we need to get uh, Jeremy Elborn on the show to talk about Angular Material and we need to go get Manfred to come and I think we could do a whole episode about that. Yeah, Mike, Mike Frenens are a really hot topic right now, even though like the word, my, I hate the word micro front end because it, it means a lot of the wrong things. Well, uh, I, I think, I think we could answer. probably do a whole series of shows with Manfred with a lot of the topics that he covers and knows about. I love Manfred. Shout out to Manfred Steyer. Right. Somebody throw up the Manfred single and get him, get him listening. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> awesome. All right. 
Hey, Stephen, uh, once again, really appreciate you taking the time and coming on and sharing all the knowledge with us. Very thankful for that. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. You guys should invite me back more often. How come I? Uh, I'm always invited. Hey, it's just a matter of if there's an open date on the calendar. You're you're more than welcome to have any of them. I will go further. All of them. Or all of them. <laughs> yeah. Or come on and panelist with us. There you go. Many options. You have many options, but we we thank you. You can come on even if there's a guest. We'll just bump the guest. No, we won't bump the guest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <And> terrible. <laughs> we would never bump a guest. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next time. Later. <laughs>